0: Hey guys, so today we're beginning the book of Philippians. And if Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians are sort of a unit. Ephesians is on the body of Christ. Colossians is on Christ as the head of the body. It's on the head. Philippians bridges us from Ephesians to Colossians by focusing on the experience of Christ. So Philippians is actually... One of the most experiential books in the New Testament is not focused so much on doctrine. You know, with Ephesians and with Colossians, Paul's pattern is to first lay out the doctrine, the teaching, and the vision, and then to touch very practical matters. You know, like, for example, in Ephesians 1, he says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies so high. In Ephesians later on, he says, he who steals should steal no more. Very practical. Husbands, love your wives. Very practical. The same for Colossians. It's that order. First the vision, then the practice. But with Philippians, it's not that way. Philippians begins with experience and just continues with experience of Christ after experience of Christ. You could say that the book of Philippians could be summed up with just a few words. It's experiencing Christ, that is, taking Christ as your living pattern, goal, goal, Power and secret, and these words correspond to the chapters of Philippians. So in chapter 1, it's taking Christ as your living. Chapter 2, taking Christ as, as your pattern. Chapter 3, taking Christ as your goal. And chapter 4, taking Christ as your power and secret. And what I'd like to do is to touch briefly the church in Philippi. You know, the church in Philippi was an outstanding church, that Paul raised up there, it was in good order, and it did have some impact of some dissension in the church, some dissension which Paul will touch in later chapters. But there's something particular that they did that made them relatively strong, and that is they contributed to Paul financially. And you might think, what would that have to do with their unity and strength? Well, from the outset, Paul says in verse four through seven of this chapter, that he's thankful when he prays for the church, praying for their fellowship under the furtherance of the gospel. And when he uses this word fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel, he's actually referring to how they supported him financially. And he says in verse six and seven that he's confident that God would complete the good work in them and that they have him in their hearts, their fellow partakers with him of grace. So their fellowship unto Paul in the furtherance of the gospel, it actually did something which, which is actually a lesson we can learn from the church in Philippi. And that is when we contribute to the gospel, a group of believer, believers contributing together, they will not be as individualistic as if they hadn't contributed, worked together. Their fellowship together it required them to drop their private interests to not be so differently minded to be of one mind one soul which he speaks about later in verse 27 he says brothers i wish you just keep striving together in one spirit with one soul unto the unto the gospel and so when we contribute to the gospel to the outreach it causes us to be more one than if we hadn't it when we lay aside our private interests and we care for the joint mission of the church, something happens, and that is we become one. We become a church that the the apostle Paul says, "Brothers, I just am so filled with joy when I pray, when I pray about you, when I remember you. So this is really an outstanding church and good lesson we can learn. Okay, then. Uh, with Paul and his experience of Christ in chapter one, you know, this. it's interesting. In chapter one, in verse 12, he says, brothers, I want you to know the things concerning me have, have turned out rather to the advancement of the gospel. And he uses this word advancement of the gospel in relation to being in a prison in Rome. He says, brothers, I want you to know that my being imprisoned here in Rome uh, as a prisoner has turned out to the advancement of the gospel. So this is very interesting. You might think he would be discouraged, but actually he was encouraged. And this is really only possible by him experiencing Christ. And then in verse 18, he says he's, a, he's been made aware that others have taken advantage of his being imprisoned and limited, and they've begun to preach the gospel of Christ. Yet their motive is selfish ambition, envy, and strife. He says this in verses 17. Others announce Christ out of selfish ambition, not purely, thinking to raise up affliction in my bonds. And then he says this. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truthfulness, Christ is announced. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Whether someone's envious of me and preaching Christ because of envy or not, I just rejoice that Christ is being preached. So you can see here he's so broad. In verse 12, he's encouraged. In verse 18, he's broad. In verse 19, he says I know that my being in this prison will turn out to salvation through your petition and the bountiful supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. He realizes it's not me alone, it's your petition. I'm I'm a member in the body and Philippians, I need you. Your petition on my behalf is effectual to turn out my situation to salvation, not just to me, but to others. So he's, he's encouraged in verse 12. He's broad in verse 18. He's in the body in verse 19, in the body, in the fellowship. And in verse 20, he talks about magnifying Christ. I love this, this Greek word, magnified Christ means shown to be great or without limitation. You know, Paul is a little prisoner in a Roman prison there, and he's extremely limited. And yet he says, in my body, my limited, frail body, which is in bonds, will show that Christ is great and without limitation. So this is an amazing experience of Christ, that our limitation affords Christ the opportunity to be Magnified to those around us, to the Roman guards. The Roman guards and the whole of the imperial cohort heard about Paul and heard the gospel through his being imprisoned there among them. And many of them received the gospel. So if you could ask Paul, Paul, you're encouraged even though you're in prison, you're rejoicing, you're broad even though people are announcing Christ out of selfish ambition. You're in the body, even though you can't be with the believers because you're in prison. And you're magnifying Christ, even if it's through your death. How could you do this? You know, if Paul would summarize how he could be this type of person, he would just say a few words. He would say, to me, to live is Christ. This really summarizes this whole chapter. To me, to live is Christ. Paul's taking Christ for every decision, for every attitude, and he's taking Christ and living him. You know, how many of us could say this? I think for us, we would say, for to me, to live is me. I just live me. I do me. But for Paul, where he's at is he's saying, to me, to live is Christ. So this is such a high pattern for us. I believe attainable someday will be able to say like Paul, to me, to live is Christ. So this is chapter 1 of the book of Philippians.